If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's Friday afternoon when yes. we're recording this, and we'll just get right into it because there's so many things well, we the, want to talk about. We, like, literally, as Hammond was coming over here, we I got the push alert saying that the memo was released, so we don't have anything on that. I'm going to pr- guess. It makes Trump look foolish. Yeah. And the whole party. I don't know what he thought he was going to accomplish with I that. Speaking of Trump, oh good. Let's start with this right away because it happened this week during the State of the Union. Oh, I did not. I, I don't want to brag. You know, I hate to brag, Kevin. I'm listening. I did not watch a second of the State of the Union. That's I haven't watched any clips of it. I've heard some like hot takes about it, and we are so the opposite. I like. I watch pregame coverage. I watch. Po- I was. I well, enjoyed okay. the live tweets. This was my thought: is that that it is, is my Super Bowl. <laughs> The thing is, like, I figured it would be exactly what I expected it to be. It would be dry and boring. He wouldn't drop any N-bombs. And, like, <laughs> it, it just wouldn't show us anything new, which I... Oh, no. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, like, I just kept that rage inside. I was over at my friend Anne's place, and we just drank wine and watched Parks and Rec all right. It was all night. It was I, excellent. You win the night. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the things Trump said in the State of the Union, among many things, is that, you know, we're all united. He was trying to call for bipartisanship before mm-hmm. he totally didn't do anything bipartisan. Right. But one of the ways he said we are all in this together is that we all believe in God. Mm. And Eric <laughs> Trump on Fox and Friends basically uh, tried to malign Democrats by saying, you know, when when Donald Trump said we're united under God, Democrats didn't stand up. Specifically, Eric Trump said, I think it's actually very sad. I think it's sad. There are things as Americans we should be united on, and if we can't be united on God, then he just trailed off because he doesn't know how to complete thoughts. (laughs) Um, So, no. Oh, Eric Trump. No, that's not how any of this works. One of the best responses to that comment, and it was a lengthy response, Mm -hmm came from Andrew Seidel, who's an attorney with the Freedom From Religion Foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, specializes in the First Amendment, is an atheist. But his response to this was just fantastic because he explained in basically an open letter Mm -hmm. uh, to Eric Trump that was sent to Eric Trump. Like, here's why you're wrong about that idea. Not only are we not united on God, like, what does that even mean? But <laughs> we're less united on God today yeah. than we were in if the If you had past. said this in the 1950s, like, maybe, but... Right. Like, atheists have always existed, but now more than ever, we're a more pluralistic society. And, and vocal. And, and vocal. And the nuns are on the rise. Uh-huh. And fewer people believe in the God he believes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the snark especially got good <laughs> toward the end of this, like, three-page letter. Please read it. I shall. Uh, Your father uses religion as a political weapon. His ignorant piety, so many crumbs fed to a credulous voting block. This is, of course, as much their fault as his, perhaps more. They are willing to be lied to 
and happily trade their self-proclaimed occupation of the moral high ground hmm. for terrain adjacent to the power of the office your father now occupies. Shit. They'd rather bask in the reflected glory of a secular office established by a godless constitution than attempt to protect their religion from the taint of politics. And then he goes on to say... If your father wants to unite this nation, if he wants to be a serious leader and not a pandering hairdo, <laughs> yep. he should work on being a president <laughs> to all Americans, including atheists, agnostics, the non-religious, the non-believers, and mm. non-Christians of every stripe and of every color. Wow. And then at the end, somehow in the letter, there was a mic drop. I don't know how it happened. Oh, my God. That's so impressive yeah. that they did that. Technology, man. <laughs> Snark aside, though, he's right. Yeah, like, 100% how does right. Eric not? How does Eric Trump or anyone, and you hear this from a lot of politicians, mm -hmm. conservative ones too, this idea that, you know, we may have our political differences, but we all unite under the same God. Yeah. It's like, no, we, no. we don't. How do you not recognize that? That is itself and a divisive statement. Do you think that that's a sort of, I don't want to say and there's dog a lot whistle, of Christian, but... There's a lot of Christians, too, I should add, that don't believe Muslims worship the same God that right. they do or that other monotheists worship the same yeah. Christian God. But do you think he's kind of doing a little dog whistle to, like, quote-unquote flyover country of, like... Totally. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the religious right rhetoric. This is the... If you believe in God, mm -hmm. specifically our God, even though they don't say that, right. you're patriotic. You're a good person. Mm -hmm. That's why if they're singing, you know, in God we trust at a sporting event, but you're not standing, there's something wrong with you. Sorry, really quick. How does that song, In God We Trust, go? I'm just... I'm sorry, did I say that? God bless America. <laughs> uh, that's what I meant. Sports ball. It's my thing. So anyway, like this is... They just assume that everyone right. ought to believe as they do. Right. And actually, I, I don't even have this up in front of me, but there's a sheriff in Polk County, Florida. Uh, his name is Grady Judd. I just saw this this morning. Which Grady is why Judd is an excellent name. It's the most Southern name. Awesome. I love yeah. it. Uh, you won't like this guy. Oh. What he was saying, he's the type of person, if you look at his reputation, what he's done over the past several years, okay. the type of guy you would expect, like a Joe Arpaio type of sheriff who wants to just deport everyone mm -hmm. who doesn't fit a certain mold. And what he wanted to say, what he wanted to say is, look, even if you're an undocumented immigrant here, but you're not breaking the law, you're a good person, I'm not going to come after you. Uh -huh. That's what he intended to oh say. God. what did he say? Uh, and by the way, what he meant by that is like, but if you have any blemish on your record, I'm sure. coming after you. That's what he really wanted to get at. But what he said is if you're not breaking the law, I'm paraphrasing, if you're not breaking the law, if you're good with your kids, if you are God-fearing... Good with your kids? If you're God-fearing, uh -huh. I'm not going to come after you. Um. It's like... Well, what does that mean? And by the way, I, I called the department. I'm like, I want to know what that means. They didn't respond to me yet. What does that mean? Like, if you're a Muslim immigrant, uh -huh. are you in trouble or are you God-fearing? Because it's not the right God. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're an atheist, but you follow all the rules and you're an undocumented immigrant, are you in trouble then? Right. What if you're a good law-abiding immigrant who doesn't believe in the Christian What I think is God? interesting about things like this is... I feel like when they say something like God-fearing, I don't think it occurs to them that anybody would take that other than, like, morally upstanding, yeah, right? Yeah, like, and I thought about that. Maybe he's just... God-fearing is just this sort of, like... It's a figure of speech. Yes, exactly. Maybe he didn't mean it literally. Does that make it less fucked up? No. Right. So I asked them, you know, did he mean it literally? The reason I think there's some... Why it worried me. If this was some other guy, I might be like, okay, figure of speech. He didn't mean it like that. Mm -hmm. This guy has a reputation of Christian advocacy while as a sheriff, like 
he spoke at a church while wearing a sheriff costume. Sure. He, costume. He, God damn it, Evan. You know, he, uh, <laughs> he actually took basketball hoops out of the county jail because, God forbid, prisoners have some... I remember this guy. This. this is years ago. And he moved them to a church. I super remember <laughs> that guy. Years I might ago. have written about him. You might have. It was, it was a while ago, but, like, that's what this guy does, which yeah. makes me think this guy takes the he, whole theocratic aspect of his job pretty seriously. He doesn't misspeak on things he like does, that. No. Yeah. And so, I, I don't know. But this is what Donald Trump is saying, too, that I, it's totally a dog whistle, like you were saying, mm-hmm. to, to fly over country, but... That's what they want to hear. And what bugs me is that even Eric Trump, who you would, who's younger, who's not Donald Trump, regardless of the affiliation, mm-hmm. um, you would think he would at least get that. But of course he doesn't. He doesn't. Or he does. And he just knows that he's talking to Fox News yeah. and like knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Um, kind of in the Trump train. Yeah. Um, this came out when I was in Wisconsin, and I just did a quick tweet that Trump and Hammond, I know this is going to shock you, what? your close personal friend, friend Donald Trump, is not a feminist. What? I know. So not only is he not a feminist, which is honestly the least surprising thing I've ever heard in my life, the, the biggest um, respond to the... Um, response to one of the tweets was this breaking news, I am not a toaster. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, dog, we know. Um so the qu- so not only is he not a feminist, which duh, he doesn't understand what a feminist is, which also duh. Um, if I have that right, he says something. Piers Morgan was it? Piers Morgan, him, which oh my god, he has his issues too. But he asked him, "Are you a feminist?" And Trump said, "No, because." What did he exactly uh, no, say? No, I wouldn't say I'm a feminist. I mean, I think that would be maybe going too far. I'm for women. I'm for men. I'm for everyone. So all lives matter. Yeah, the no, and question. It's, and that's a really frustrating thing that we kind of continue to bump bump against is this idea of like, oh, I'm not a feminist because I don't hate men. And like, don't get me wrong, I am a feminist who deeply hates men, all <laughs> men, all of them. Come at me, guys. But but like, it's it's just very frustrating for people to be so hung up on this sort of made up person of this like man hating feminist who like it, it's just. Really frustrating to see, oh, I'm not a feminist, I'm a humanist, or something like that, where where they're not only like misunderstanding the initial statement, but they're also co-opting our like <laughs> our tech, um, our terminology. Anyway, so in case it's not clear, feminism means that we believe women should have equal rights to, as men and equal opportunity and equal representation, which right now, like there's been more presidents named George Bush than there have been <laughs> than there have been black or female presidents <laughs> combined. So like I think men are doing okay. Um anyway, that was that. That was um I am shocked by that this. That was a really fun kickoff to my Wisconsin weekend. <laughs> Let me since we're talking about, you know, a leader who's disappointing. Let me show you one who is not always disappointing. <laughs> so this is in Canada and let me tell you about... Uh, Trudeau? Trudeau. I, I forgot if we talked about this last week. We may have, but Canada has a thing called Canada Summer Jobs. The government oh, funds organizations that create summer jobs for students. Oh, they great. want to encourage that, so they'll Sounds give you like funding for it. socialism to me, Hammett. Uh, I'm sure everyone thinks it is. But they also allow religious groups to apply for that money, saying, look, if you're a church group that's hosting a Bible summer camp... Mm-hmm. But you're hiring students to help run it. That's a job. We're not going to say no to you because of the nature of that 
uh, of what you're doing. Well, and also Canada isn't the United States. They don't yeah. have it's a, the it's same a different laws. Law. So that's fine. Whatever. That's what they do. Now the difference is this year the Canada Summer Jobs Program said if your group specifically, like their primary focus is to stop abortion rights or to hmm. be anti-gay, um, you're against gay marriage, and that's the heart of what you do, uh-huh. you're not eligible for the money. Cool. Now, if you're a church that just does a summer Bible camp and you happen to believe marriage equality is immoral or wrong or mm-hmm. unbiblical and you're against abortion, that's not the issue. You can still apply for the funds, mm-hmm. but if you're a group that works to discriminate against gay people... No, you're not. Okay, this is not that complicated to understand. So Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, was doing a town hall meeting. He does many of these. And someone asked him about that issue because it's been controversial. As you can imagine, the Christian right of Canada has been like, this is anti-Christian. You're (laughs) discriminating against our faith. And We love hating people. What's your problem with that? What he explained, he, he first explained what I just told you. Okay. But then he said this. I'm going to quote this because it's really good. And it's been a long time since I've heard someone speak like this oh, who good. actually is in a position Wait, of power. Wait, are you about to tell me something good and empowering? Because I'm not used to it. Maybe. I know. I, it was jarring when I heard it because I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, that's the leader of their country. Um, no religious group is going to be barred from Canada's summer jobs on the basis of their beliefs, period. Anyone who tells you otherwise is pushing a political agenda. However... There are certain groups that are specifically dedicated to fighting abortion rights for women and inclusion of LGBT communities, and that is wrong. That is certainly not something that the federal government should be funding summer students to do, to roll back the clock on women's rights. That's not going to happen. This government will continue to be unequivocal. We will stand up for women's rights. We will defend women's rights and the rights of the LGBT community, regardless of what folks in certain religious groups try to push us against. And then he went on to say, we are not rolling back the clock on women's rights. And I know that makes a few people upset, but there is no way government funding is going to organizations that have the specific and explicit purpose of limiting women's rights, period. Can you see the goosebumps? I see the goosebumps. Even Obama, by the way, never went that far. And I remember he did a similar town hall back Mm -hmm. when he was president, not campaigning, but as president. And our friend Amanda Kenneef, who worked with American Atheists, um, she was in the town hall and she got to ask him a question. And she said, are you going to allow the federal government to give funding to religious organizations that do secular work but discriminate in who they hire because of their beliefs? Maybe they feed the homeless, but they don't. If you're openly gay and you're married, they won't hire you. Is Mm -hmm. the government going to fund those groups? And Obama gave a wishy-washy Obama-esque answer on Mm -hmm. that, saying, well, we have to balance both sides of this, whatever. And it was a disappointing answer. But like to hear Justin Trudeau, there was no balancing there. He was very clearly on one side of this issue. I haven't heard that in a while. It was nice to hear. I know he's not perfect, but that was a good answer on that issue. Yeah, it's it's very... uh, It's good to hear that we're not the... I don't know. I'm just tired of like talking to walls. You know what I'm, I'm <laughs> it's very nice to hear somebody in power say something that's logical and and has a point of view, not a sort of like obfuscating like oh <laughs> not all lives matter. Not all <laughs> lives matter. There are bad people on many sides. Right. Um so I guess that's a good uh transition into kind of my um 
a thing that made me super. Uh, I've got two abortion things on this. Actually, are you ready for the abortion? Abortion segment, one. Let's go. Segment of our program. Okay, so uh, to start with, there is a gentleman, and his name, I swear to fucking god, is Tony Tinderholt. Which, man, some of these names are excellent. Like this guy's a. I've said this before. I I have no comment on other people's names. Yeah, that's fair. Like, <laughs> I mean, this guy is a monster, but he has a. Excellent name. What did he do? Uh, so he's a se- uh, Texas state representative. He's a Republican. Um, and he thinks that women in Texas should be jailed for having abortions because otherwise they don't accept personal responsibility for having sex. So that's chill uh-huh. as usual. Um, I'm waiting to know where you're going with this before commenting. No, I mean, that's... Re- le- le- so that's what if they get assaulted? What if they oh, are Oh, I raped? would love to read you from this. Because um, that has nothing to do with their personal responsibility. He said... So House Bill uh, 498 has been named by the tin- by Tinderholt as the... He's so fucking excited about this name. The Abolition of Abortion in Texas, which, come on, dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and will likely draw another... Th- so this is... Uh, so will likely draw another costly lawsuit for Texas taxpayers to fund in court. Under this bill, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. There would be no exception for women who are abused, rape, yeah. raped, or have fetal abnormalities. If a teen is raped by her father, she'd be forced to carry the child under this law under penalty of jail. Compassionate conservatism. Always. It's really nice. Um, so Tinderholt backs this up. Obviously, he has some really good, like, scientifically based reasons. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, women should be forced to carry the child because he's quote, a firm believer that God creates children in his own image, regardless of how that child's brought to the world, it's created in his image. And how can someone want to destroy that? God has a lot of rape and incest on his mind, apparently. Yeah, that's sort of his jam. And he, uh, so the reason that he thinks is, this is important is um, because he thinks it's too easy to get an abortion. Quote, right now they in don't... In Texas? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, quote, right now they don't make it important to be, they being women yeah. who have sex. Right. Like monsters. Right. Um, they don't make it important to be personally responsible because they know that they have a backup of, oh, I can just go get an abortion. <laughs> now, we both know that adult that consenting adults don't always think smartly sometimes, but consenting adults need to consider the repercussions of the sexual relationship that they're going to have, which is a child. Every time I think about sex, I think of what would Tony Tinderholt say to me? It's just... You let him be in the back of your head. Like, just the infantilizing of humans who have sex is appalling. And also the fact that, like, he... The thing is, he uses the term consenting adults, uh, which would <laughs> which would uh, think that, like, maybe he does get some things because he is using the word consent, which is, like, poof, like, <laughs> really far he above what a lot of people... He understands rape is bad. But the problem is he's talking about these two consenting adults and they don't deal with the responsibilities, and so women should be punished. And mm. And I think that's... Things like this I find so enraging is because, like, it's fucking basic do, biology that it takes two, like... Right. Do men get punished if no, the woman I mean, has an abortion? No, he certainly didn't, he certainly didn't talk about bill. that. Um, and it's, it's just a really fucking exhausting line of thinking that, like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, what else can you fucking say about this? Is that, like... Uh, pregnancies happen, accidental pregnancies happen, whether or not the person was being as responsible as possible or was being quote unquote reckless or was raped. Like these things happen and there's, it's just like, you can't 
to me, it's like saying this person was brought into the hospital for being in a car accident. Well, they weren't wearing their seatbelt, mm-hmm. so that's their fucking fault. Like, it, it's, let's put them in jail. That'll yeah, help it's just this like weird backwards thinking of of that pregnancy is a is a the, the thing is they think of it as a punishment. Pregnancy is punishment for having sex. I don't know, guys. I don't fucking know. Uh, like, Texas Republicans. Um, a, te- a Democratic state representative, Donna Howard, explained that um, <laughs> that regulating women's health care should not be, quote, made by someone who has no clue what's going on. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's so ignorant to think that women are somehow irresponsibly deciding that they're going to go ahead and get pregnant because it's so easy to get an abortion. And for the legislature to insert themselves in these decisions, it's just baffling to me that he could have that lack of com- uh, ca- compassion and understanding for fellow Texans. Um, Blake uh, Rocap, who's from um, NRAL, NARL. Yeah. Do you say it out? I don't know. I've never said it out loud. Pro-choice Texas. Uh, he said that... NARL. Nayral, mm-hmm. I've literally only ever read it. Uh-huh. It's a really uncomfortable moment that I'm on a podcast <laughs> saying a word I've never said out loud. I hate this. Um, he said that the bill would, quote, take us back to a time in Texas when women lost their lives because they were trying to procure illegal abortions. Which, to me, that's always kind of what it comes down to, is you're never going to stop abortions. You're going to make them less safe. Yeah. And you're going to kill human adult women who can who are viable human beings and have people who love and care about them. <sighs> so I'm not, I'm not ready surprised. to get... The question is how far will this go? Texas is dominated by Republicans, so yeah. these types of bills can get signed, mm-hmm. but as you mentioned, lawsuits would be coming too, mm-hmm. and presumably the lawsuits, the, the people suing would win out because you have a right to an abortion. Yeah. Um, okay. I w- let's, let's talk about someone else who has no clue what they're talking about. There's a woman named uh, Gloria Copeland. She is a megachurch. Uh, I don't know if she runs the megachurch, but her family does. I'm sure she doesn't. And sure also does. in Texas, oh. I believe. I think. Sure. Why not? Um, Gloria Copeland says none, no one needs a flu shot. Ever. And the reason. Guess the reason. Guess oh why you don't God, need a I've flu shot. Oh, my God. I've seen this headline. Because... Jesus got a flu shot? Because Jesus got a flu shot was for that what all it was? of us. Okay, I read that headline, and I think that you wrote it, and I was like, well, that can't be right, and just kept reading, because like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. She said in her video, flu, I bind you off the people in the name of Jesus. Jesus himself gave us the flu shot. He redeemed us from the curse of flu. And people who don't have the flu can protect themselves by just declaring, I will never have the flu inoculate yourself with the word of God, she said. Because when Jesus was crucified... What the fuck are you talking you know how, about? You know how Jesus died for your sins? Yeah. He, that also meant he took a flu shot so you don't have to get one. That's... I'm not joking. That's what she was getting at. Wait. And, okay. Okay. See, this is... Honestly, when I read the headline, I thought this is what she was saying. I was like, well, that can't be true. I'm accidentally reading The Onion again. Um, so does she think that no true believers have ever gotten sick? It's a total, that's the question you should be asking. Like, oh, and I am. And I don't know the answer to that. Like, what happens if you get sick? Does that mean Jesus is angry with you? Because there are people who believe that. But she didn't even say, oh, I had to be a true believer. I'm going to go back on my own thing. She didn't say you had to be a true believer. She, you just have to say, I will not get the flu. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like accepting Jesus. Like, I believe, and then Jesus will forgive you if you are sincere about it. Uh-huh. Apparently, if you just say, I'll never have the flu, that will make the bacteria and germs run away. 
Okay, wait, can I do one? I'll never need glasses again. I have negative nope. 8.5 vision. Uh-huh. Wait, well, I saw my contacts in, so. Nah. See, God would have melted them away. Oh, shit. So here's the thing about what she said, though. You would think of all people to say, don't get your vaccines, don't get your flu shots. Yeah. She would know better because five years ago, guess whose church had a measles outbreak? Get the fuck out of town. Uh-huh. Are you kidding? Eagle Mountain International Church had a measles outbreak with like eight people having the measles in their the church. Like measles. That was patient zero in their church to the point where not Gloria Copeland, but I, I think her daughter or her niece or something said to the congregation, posted this on the website at the time, Yeah. You all need to get vaccinated yeah. because all that irrational thinking about vaccinations was flooding her church. So she, at the time, wrote, Wait. hey, some people <sighs> think I'm against vaccinations. That is not true. Vaccinations help cut the mortality rate enormously. I believe it is wrong to be against vaccinations. The risks associated during an outbreak really outweigh the risks of the vaccination. This is what they said five years ago after the measles outbreak. And yet here's Gloria Copeland saying, eh, who needs a flu what shot? The actual fuck. Yeah. And I don't, maybe she doesn't care because just the other week we talked about this. Her husband got a $65 million private plane. So maybe she thinks. Oh, that's, that's her husband? That's her husband. So like maybe she thinks, oh, if the flu comes, I'll just hop on my plane and fly away to safety. He had shiny suits. I liked that <laughs> about did. him. But. Um, wow. That's, you know what's funny is I've been. You know, I'm on Facebook and I have friends of all walks of life. And I recently have been seeing a couple of people doing like anti-flu shot thing. And the thing that I think is funny is one one friend in particular whom, whom I like, like and respect and think is great. She did this like informal Internet poll of did you get the flu shot and did you get the flu? And it's really interesting that like she's trying to get anecdotal evidence to be more scientific but isn't willing to accept that like larger scale polls well and anyway and guys get your flu shot i feel like this is a good stage get your flu shot get vaccinated get vaccinated because it's honestly not just for you it is for those of us who who are more susceptible who for whom the flu is extraordinarily dangerous Herd immunity is important Herd immunity is extremely important and like yeah, you may still get the flu if you got your flu shot. That doesn't mean shots don't work. And <laughs> if you get a cold for 24 hours, that doesn't mean you got the flu. And you don't get you don't get a tiny bit of flu by getting the vaccination. That's not how vaccinations work. I just really <laughs> like do a tiny bit of research on flu shots and or get- if you're lazy, apparently you could just tell God, "Hey, yeah. don't give me the flu," and then apparently you're saved. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you a really dumb story about the last time I? I was at my doctor's office and I got a flu shot and the nurse gave it to me. She's like, there you go. And I swear to fucking God, I looked at her dead in the eyes and went, I'm so brave. (laughs) Evan, why do I like this? Why? Why? I I, I don't know. And she just like deadpanned at me. Like didn't think it was funny or cute. (laughs) Like I was trying to do a fun bit. That's like one time I I like her. One time I voted and I put my little like slip in the thing and the guy who was like monitoring it, I went, yay democracy. And again, like (laughs) I'm just trying to be excited about life. Like life is bleak and dark and hard. (laughs) And I just want to be excited about voting and getting flu shots. And he was giving you nothing. Nothing. I mean, it was 7.15 in the morning. So (laughs) I don't blame him. Anyway, those are my dumb anecdotes. I like it. Let me talk about this. University of Miami. We've talked about this a long time ago, but it came up in the news again. The University of Miami just got funding. Uh, They got this 
2016, but it was $2.2 million in order to endow a chair at the university to study atheism, humanism, and secular ethics. Cool. Now, you should note that Pitzker College in California is the only school where you can, like, major in secular studies. We interviewed. We've talked to Phil Zuckerman, who, who runs that program. And the question is, okay, so what's the University of Miami... Uh, one, who's going to be the chair, mm-hmm. of, who's going to be in this position that they're funding, and what are they going to teach? So the Atlantic this had an article. This is my opportunity to announce that it is me, and I am teaching atheism. All, all yeah. atheism <laughs> by Jess. The, <laughs> I want to know what those courses are like. <laughs> be so good. So the Atlantic talked to the professor. It's actually, uh, his name is Anjan Chakravarti. Mm-hmm. He is a professor in Notre Dame. He's going to be moving. Boo, Notre and, Dame. Yeah, he's going to be going to Miami to teach all, to run this program and teach these I'm courses. Sorry, you said this is Miami, Florida, not Miami of Ohio? Correct. Okay. And so what he said is, you know, uh, I'm quoting from the Atlantic article here. He plans to teach courses in the history and philosophy of science and cool. in secular ethics. Um, and this is what you expect from these courses. They're going to look at the history and the philosophy of atheism mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, the history of humanism. Uh-huh. It's not an indoctrination course. I mean, even if you majored in Bible studies, they're not saying, here's why all this is true. No, they're saying, here's what here's what happened in history with how people have used the Bible. That's or, true on paper. Is that true uh, in... In college, it's more true than it is, say, in like a high school okay. Bible literacy class. Okay. But in college, that's fine. If you're doing a religious, specific religions history or mm-hmm. something, you can major in Bible studies and mm-hmm. you would get a secular education on how the Bible has had impact and mm-hmm. how it was written and whatever. And that's what they're doing with atheism. Yeah. But you get the feeling that a lot of people are going to be looking at this and who's funding it, because the guy funding it, Lou Apignani, is an atheist advocate. He doesn't <gasps> hold that back at all. <gasps> the horror. Um, but the, the guy running the show here in Miami is like, I don't know what his beliefs are personally, and mm-hmm. they don't matter. He's just very clear that he religious people can take these classes. And, and should. And should. And they're not necessarily going to be non-religious by the time they leave, as it should be. Um, I also I also like the fact that the guy doesn't always fit... He doesn't fit the stereotype of, like, the angry white atheist, necessarily. <laughs> He's like an Indian guy who's a philosophy professor. Yeah, that's pretty and, fun. And his credentials are impeccable. Uh-huh. But cool. I just It doesn't matter. It's yeah. not like Richard Dawkins or someone like that, per se, would have been bad at the job. But it's kind of nice to what? know that the person running this major million, multi-million dollar program... Right. Doesn't fit that stereotype. Well, and it's always nice to remind people that there are more atheists in the world than Richard Dawkins yeah, and like no, Sam Harris. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, uh, good on Miami. I, I hope this works. I believe they're starting the classes. Uh, no, I I don't remember. I don't know if they're starting them this fall or they're starting them in 2019. Mm-hmm. But he's starting the position uh, this summer. That's exciting. Yeah, so good on him. I, I've reached out to him to see if he'll do an interview. I haven't see heard back yet. We'll find out. to Miami. Of course. In that's February. Yes. <laughs> Um, so on the, uh, academic front, um, men are threatened by intelligent women, according to a study, which is honestly the least surprising thing I've ever heard in my whole life. So there is a study that was, um, that was conducted and I did not write down who did it because I am bad at my job. No big deal. So 105 men were participated, which I will, I'm the first to admit is not a terribly large, um, um, number. 
So they were asked to read a hypothetical scenario involving a woman who either outperformed them in math or English um, and imagine them as a romantic partner. So the men ranked women in, in this portion. The, it's a two-part study. So the men ranked women who outscored them as more desirable, according to this study. Um, but the second part of this study, men were asked if they would actually date such a woman in real life. And all of a sudden, dudes were like, oh, <laughs> well. So men faced... So they used to say smart is sexy, but yeah. then would you actually date them? No. Mm, no, maybe not. So men faced... Uh, this real-life scenario, they distanced themselves more from her, um, tended to rate her as less attractive, and showed less <laughs> desire to exchange, exchange contact information or plan a date with her. I'd so, say the women dodged a bullet. Yeah. Um, the authors behind the study believe that um, more, exper- uh, more experimentation may be needed to confirm the conclusion. Defo. Okay. Yeah, for sure. But... They do believe that, quote, feelings of diminished masculinity <laughs> account for men's decreased attraction toward women who outperformed them, like Dodoy. Like, that's mm. just th- this idea of, like, women threatening men's masculinity by being smarter or better or, like, physically taller or... I wonder what those men think they... Like, the answer to that should be, do they need to get smarter or do they think, no, the women need to get dumber for me to like them... I, if I had to wager a bet, it would be that they've painted this idea of a woman who is smarter than them at, like, behaving the way douchebag men who think they're smarter do, and that, like, they're know-it-alls and really over-pushing. So they've painted this this illusion, like, basically a me, of, like, just lording their opinion <laughs> over other people, but they assume all women who are smart are also obnoxious, um, as many men are. Who, uh-huh. th- that's just my guess. It's based on literally nothing. Um, but anyway, that was a. Fu- I, I'm really sorry I didn't write down who. We'll make sure there's that. a link to that yeah. uh, when we do that. Let me talk about this issue that happened in Illinois. It's in the city of Effingham, relatively rural area. Where's Effingham? High Central. Uh, okay, you look that up. up. <laughs> but this it goes to the heart of how creationist groups kind of work their way into public schools uh-huh. because you might think like, well, whatever they believe. They're not going to, like, do an assembly at a public school. Who would ever allow that? And the name of this group in particular was called Creation Truth Foundation. They don't even hide their creationist beliefs. But they were invited to speak at Central Grade School, public school in Effingham. smack in the middle of Illinois. It's, like, halfway between Terre Haute and St. Louis. Also, doesn't Effingham sound like the real name of the town is Fuckingham? (laughs) Uh, ben Folds, I think, did a song all about it. Or God something. damn it, Ben Folds. Yep. Just because he had the <laughs> similar reaction. But how did this group get into this public school? We don't know, but the idea is they were holding an assembly on dinosaurs for the elementary school kids. Oh, no. And the school was like, all right, nothing can possibly go wrong here. <laughs> but a lot of Christian groups do this where they say, no, 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 we have, we're a group that has some experts in our, in our group. We will host this assembly for you at whatever, a discount rate or whatever, mm-hmm. which you want this because kids love dinosaurs. And it is, they dinosaurs. say, a secular presentation. And when they do it in the public school, whether it's on abstinence-only sex education or how to be a leader or mm-hmm. whatever the topic is, they always do the secular presentation. And uh, the rare instances where, no, they don't. They push religion. That's a separate issue. The legal people can go after that. Right. But they do. They host these public assemblies that Mm -hmm. are fine. But 
in this case, and in a lot of cases, what they do is to say, hey, we're going to do this presentation again tonight or on the weekend. Bring your family, bring your friends there. And now it's off school property. And now it's not during school hours. And in what happened in Effingham, yeah, what happened in Effingham is these kids brought their parents on Saturday to the church where they were going to hold this. They weren't even hiding this one. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and all of a sudden, they got the dinosaur, like the Ken Ham dinosaur story, oh. which is, you know, dinosaurs were on Noah's Ark. On They're only a few saddle. thousand years old. Yeah, you can ride the dinosaurs. Um, but in fact, one of the parents was like, they said Tyrannosaurus Rexes ate vegetables. They said there were dinosaurs with Noah on the Ark and that evolution was a myth. Oh. And this parents was surprised by this. They weren't <laughs> used to this. The flyer she received for the event had no mention of any religious or church tie-in. They thought they were going to see the same assembly her kid was raving about, Mm -hmm. but that's never true. And the reason I bring this up is that these Christian groups, this is not an anomaly. This happens all the time. Oh, sure. And it is a form of deception. It is lying, and these Christian groups seem totally fine with it. It is part of their strategy Uh to say, we'll work our way into the public school host a second event or a third event, and that's where we'll bring down all the Jesus stuff. They're very open about this. This is how they do things. And what you ought to be asking is like, what the hell is wrong with the school administrators that they even allowed this group to do a public presence? They could have just said no. They don't have to give a reason. Just say no to them from the get-go because you could see their website. I looked at their website, and their website's very clear about their mission to indoctrinate children. Okay, can I... Ugh, yeah. I hate to say this phrase. Can I play devil's advocate Go for a for second? It, please. So say we were like an atheist group and we wanted to teach kids about science or evolution yeah. or dinosaurs. Let's just say dinosaurs. If we went into a school, like if it were atheists doing the same thing. Yeah. Then, the, then my answer would be the school should say, no, you clearly have another agenda. I okay. mean, you're very open about that, I would think, in this hypothetical group. Right. That your goal is to spread atheism. We're not interested in that. Now, if like a paleontological, am I saying that right? Society yeah, wanted to do the presentation uh-huh. and happened to include a lot of atheists in the group, different story. Okay. And a lot of times you'll see, you know, Planned Parenthood puts on a sex ed seminar. That's a different story because they have experts pushing okay. like here's how sex works yeah they can share the slides in advance you know what they're doing they're not saying hey kids come get a free abortion no <laughs> um there are groups and this is the the conversation a lot of groups have you're not bringing in experts who know what they're talking about right you're advocating a certain point of view right those groups should not be coming in to do these ostensibly secular presentations okay. but when you have experts when you have a sex education experts who have training in that field somehow or dinosaur experts who are paleontologists or whatever <laughs> that's a different story but when it's a like american atheists uh-huh. i love them they should not be doing a presentation on science I want like the Field Museum to do the presentation on science or some science group doing it. Different story. And what I don't get is why these administrators were just like, yeah, Creation Truth Foundation, who cares what you believe? Yeah. It seems so obvious. In hindsight, when you're like, well, let me just look at their website. Oh, look, Jesus is everywhere. How did the school, what was the vetting process? I have no idea. And it's not that the school did anything illegal by allowing them in to do a secular presentation. No, it's it that they're stupid. Yeah. I don't, I don't or, get it. Or it's a bunch of good Bible-thumping, God-fearing, 
you know, people from central Illinois yeah. and they legitimately don't see any problem with a church-backed thing because nobody's ever pressed them on it because yeah. they don't live in a metropolis where they have to deal with alternate points That's of view. entirely possible. If everybody is Christian, then, like, who should have a problem with a Christian coming right. in? And, and I'm no not saying one, that's right. I'm just saying I'm sure it's more... No one wrote a letter to the school saying you did something wrong because they didn't. They hosted right. a secular presentation. Right. The, the point I want to make is that these Christian groups do this all the time. They, they hide their true agenda for yes. a later time. Yeah. And they're not open about it. It's yeah. not like they say, we're doing a religious version of this tonight. Bring your parents and friends. Yeah, they say, hey, we're doing this presentation tonight. Come on down. Bring everyone you know. Didn't and we... then they sneak all the Jesus in there. there and they're lying about similar it. similar that they did? They, they rent school property. And it's like a sun... I can't think of what... It's um, like... Churches can rent school property all the time we, for we weekends. We specifically interviewed somebody... Uh-huh. years ago about the fact that oh god what was the name of it um anyway it was just like that they would there pre- are plenty of public schools that yeah. will say hey we have church here on sundays because oh. the, the group's renting it out and that's fine but there are limits okay. to where the signs can go when you can advertise and put the sign out front saying churches in here yeah if they're doing that during the school day we have an issue and that's sometimes where the I lines mean, get I'm still crossed. not super crazy about like teaching church in a public school doesn't bother Period. me as long as they're paying fair rental price and everything. I guess, but, but I don't like conflating school. Anyway. Yeah, but that's what the rules are there for, and everyone has to abide by them, and it's only when they break those rules that there's a problem. Yeah. The problem with this thing is that they're manipulating the kids, and they're being sneaky about it. Yes. And it's not illegal, but you're, like you said, it's unethical. It's not illegal. It's shitty. Or yeah. unethical, as somebody smarter than me might say. Um, so here's a thing I wrote. I guess we're just letting Mel Gibson back into Hollywood, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, he was just in a movie, a sequel movie, Daddy's home question mark. Does that person. sound like the right thing? I don't. Sure. And I think Will Ferrell was in it, and I think one of the Wahlbergs was in it, the one who shot a guy. He's not a great guy. Anyway, um, so I thought we as a people had decided that Mel Gibson was just sort of donezo vis-a-vis having any public influence. (laughs) I was wrong. He is famously anti-Semitic. He is famously misogynist. He definitely called a cop sugar tits. I think that that is enough to say like, hey, dude, you know what? You are a zillionaire. Just like go on an island somewhere and chill for a second. Um, no, he's back in the game. He's in this dumb movie that I'll never see. But he's making movies again. Guess what movie he's making, Hammond? Tell us. A sequel to 2004's The Passion of the Christ. Christ um, resurrected. <laughs> Christ resurrected. I think there was a Simpsons episode about this. I'm not <laughs> sure. So... Which makes you wonder what the trilogy, what's the third movie going to be about? Because you know the oh third, my if God. they made so much money on the first one. So much money. Which makes, first of all, Jim Caviezel, the actor who plays Jesus, is, is like, this is going to be the biggest movie ever also, of all time. Also, he's 49, and even an idiot like me knows that Jesus died at 33. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Right. Um, yeah, he said that there are things, quote, he, there are things that I cannot say that will shock the audience. It's great. Stay tuned. Which, you that was what Passion of the Christ shock- was. You can't shock the audience when the, the 
the material's already out that's, there. I it, know how we, the story no, you ends. You know, that's not true because when in 2004, when Passion of the Christ came out, people were like fucking fainting in the aisles because it was, I've never seen it, but my understanding was it was like, it was graphic, real graphic, which I, I mean, the resurrection, but, I but feel you like you knew was, what was happening. Yeah, like, that's true. Oh, Jesus is going to get tortured like or whatever. The resurrection is necessarily not graphic. It's like, oh my <laughs> God, he rolled the fuck out of that boulder. <laughs> Um, and we don't get to see him appear, which makes the movie even more difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you um, move the boulder, he's gone. <laughs> I don't know if that's the end of the movie or the beginning. I mean, it's going to be short. I'll tell you that right <laughs> goddamn now. Um, I won't tell you, uh, Caviezel says, I won't tell you how he's going to go about it, but I'll tell you this much. The film is going to, the film he's going to do will is going to be the biggest film in history. It's that good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it started filming yet, but Jim is... Super optimistic. Um, so yeah, the question then is: Okay, Mel Gibson can, if he's a zillionaire, he can make the movie. Mm-hmm. Who's who's working with him to distribute it? And Jim Caviezel. Yeah, right. It's a two. Which, it's a two hander. Which company is putting this out, and what's the backlash going to be when it does come out? Especially, I don't think there's going to be a backlash. You know? I don't. I think that people who were on board with the first uh, Passion of the Christ, I do, I don't know what could have happened in the last. 14 years now that would like a a movie came out in 2004 directed by Mel Gibson that graphically showed the death of Christ. I just don't understand like what could happen between now and then that would not make them like put down their money to see this movie. One article that I read about this issue actually pointed out that one difference, because you're right, the conservative Christian audience may very well want to see a a follow-up to that. That's Mm -hmm. all about the resurrection. But that was before uh, Passion of the Christ came out before God's Not Dead, before all these, you know, uh, pure flicks, Christian movies came out. And the question is, where is the Christian movie audience? Are they still in the, oh, Passion of the Christ is a once in a lifetime type of movie. We've never seen anything like this to now where these types of overly Christian movies are like a dime a dozen. They come out all the time. And maybe the resurrection movie, oh, it's just the latest Mm. Jesus movie to see. Maybe it won't go over as well. I would say yes and no. I think that there are more like big budget quote unquote movies that are directed towards Christians. That said, a Mel Gibson movie is different from a Kirk Cameron movie. Right. Which it's a different beast. Sidebar, I when I was in Wisconsin with my friends, my my buddy Jack, who's Irish and for some reason has a real true love for Kirk Cameron movies. What? Um we all had my friend Holly made a vegetarian um tater tot breakfast casserole <laughs> and we had mimosas and we watched I'm this vegetarian. movie. I'm f- vegetarian. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's very good. All I right. could not recommend it. It has like soy chorizo. Could not recommend uh-huh. it more highly. And had mimosas and watched this movie Fireproof and holy <laughs> fucking shit. It is amazing to the point that I'm going to have Jack and Holly on my Fables sideshow. Yes. I'm going to call it a sideshow. That's not what I meant to call it. <laughs> uh, and we're going to talk about it because it is Excellent and terrifying, and I think Kirk Cameron is supposed to be the protagonist, but in the first 20 minutes of the movie, he screams at his wife so that she is, like, sitting down in a corner crying, and he's the good guy of our movie. Anyway, all that's to say is, yes, there are movies that are catered to a Christian audience, but I don't think on this budget, because even if you look at, like, the Noah movie, that wasn't for Christians by any stretch. That wasn't, like, a Christian-themed movie, whereas I think this kind of is. Um... And I think that even just people who liked The Passion of the Christ, which I, I mean, I've never seen it. I'm sure it was fine. 
I don't think it's any Jesus Christ superstar, but whatever. <laughs> um, but people who saw that the will see this. The songs were nearly as good in Passion Oh my the God, they're not nearly as catchy. Um, not enough dance members, if you ask me. Anyway, like, uh, so uh, Mel Gibson also... <laughs> God, this fucking guy. He was in an interview, and he said, and I hate this so much, quote, the resurrection, big subject. <laughs> oh, my God. We're trying to craft this in a way that's, that's cinematically compelling and enlightening so it shines a new light, if possible, without creating some weird thing. Yeah. God, it must be hard to hear him because he's so far up his own ass. Yes, the echo is. Oh is my God, deep you wouldn't believe one. it. Speaking of, yeah, nah, I got nothing. Um, oh. <laughs> there is a a guy named Josh Weed, real name. Several years W-E-E-D? ago, yep, Excellent. six years ago, <gasps> Josh Weed. I definitely wrote about him. This was one of my most you successful did. blog posts that I wrote ever for your website. And the reason it was successful is because his story it's was because I'm a insane. very good writer. And craft a compelling narrative. Obviously. <laughs> he said six years yes, ago I can't I left that this off. he was getting married to a woman, and this was unusual because he was gay. Mm-hmm. But he was also a Mormon, and you can't marry a same-sex person when you're Mormon. Um, so he was getting married to a woman, and he wanted you all to know yeah. that they had been together for... Uh, Forgot if he had been married for more than a decade, and he only came out. They'd as been gay. together a long time, um, but they had three kids and a quote wonderful sex life. Well, so I like before we go forward with what's yeah. happened since. I this sort of article when I wrote it years and years ago, 2012, I assume, yeah, rocked my fucking world because it wasn't. It was just this thing of like this guy is being very forthcoming about everything. He's saying he's gay, he's attracted to men, but he's still marrying a woman. But he sucked she, it up. She's <laughs> on board. Yep. They say they're happy, which like you All know right. they had kids, so clearly they're they've had sex at least what two or three times. Mm-hmm. Like it really kind of rocked my worldview of. Is this pr- if and can you was, force yourself into happiness? And that I was guess. the point. He was the he was the compelling counter narrative that, that yeah that said even if you're gay, you can be straight married mm-hmm. and be very happy at life. So hey, gay people, stop being. You don't have yeah, to. Yeah, it's definitely a dangerous moral. Right. But like for his specific case, it really kind of like fucked me up for a little while. Yeah, it's weird. And guess what? He said this week. He's getting divorced. Getting divorced. Uh, and here's the thing. His blog post went up and then it got deleted. And you're like, oh, oh. that's weird. But while it was up, a lot of people saw it. And basically he announced that he is getting divorced. And Part of me was like, I read through this post. And I'm like, huh. I I find it hard to dislike the guy because he was very clear that, like, I know some of you feel Schadenfreude. I know some of you might relish in our pain. I don't think this is this and is not the like, place for that. <laughs> he's like, look, if that's you, I respect your reaction. I know I've hurt people by my story. Like, he seemed to understand where the critics were coming that's from. That's the thing with and this what guy. his role was in perpetuating this harmful idea. And so I don't know why he deleted it. He also said, by the way, yeah, we're getting divorced. We still love each other. Uh, I don't know what's going on with their kids. They have four kids now. Um, but he didn't, he said, he, as far as I know, he's still Mormon. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, he still uh, hasn't acted on being gay. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't care, frankly. No, no, but it's not our business. It, yeah. Uh, I don't know how he, bad he feels. He seemed to acknowledge that he was the poster child yeah. for the anti-gay movement. 
uh, at least in this capacity, but I don't know how he feels about that. He didn't explain like that he has any knowledge of how many lives he may have ruined through this yeah. narrative. So, but I do like from what I did s- seem to atone for. Yeah, that's what the thing. He, did. he seems to be aware. Like I find this guy to be fucking fascinating, and and not in like a clinical like I'm a bitch way, which also I am. But like, there's just something about his sort of cards on the table nature that I really respect of like, here's what he said that goes to what you're talking about. We're sorry to any LGBTQIA person who was given false hope by our story or who used our story as part of the basis for their life decisions. Goes on to say, I'm no different than you and any degree to which I held on to the idea that I could be gay without being gay was, I see now a manifestation of lingering internalized homophobia Born of decades of being told this part of me was evil. Like, he seems to get he gets it. it. I really, what really, else do you really, want really want to sit down and talk to him. I know. Him. I, I, part of me is like, as a critic of everything he did, I'm like, I don't know what else I want this guy to do <laughs> at this point. That's the thing is like, there's two sides of the. I wish I had reread what I wrote six years ago or whatever, because I'm, I, I want to see kind of what my reaction was then. But now it's like, yes, he was perpetuating really shitty shit about you don't you know if you're gay you don't have to be gay and like all that shit but like there was something i respected that he was like this is he i guess i would put him against people who have been to like those like gay what's a gay conversion conversion therapy who are like oh i have no like gay thoughts anymore i'm super Mm. into dudes or i'm super into women now and like all of that gay shit has fled from me he didn't do that he didn't say i was cured he just said i acknowledge this is a part of me but also I am choosing to not do that. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but at least he was fucking straightforward with us, right? Yeah. The, he brought to mind for me a lot of those like Republicans who supported everything George W. Bush did. Mm-hmm. They ran against Obama. They said horrible things when Obama was in office. And now they're anti-Trumpers. And yeah. now they, you know are horrified by what the Republican Party has become, and they're open about it. Yeah. And part of me appreciates that they're saying this stuff now, and part of me's like, but you effed everything up for so long, and so I don't... I don't really feel happy for you. I I appreciate... I would take that over a Paul Ryan any day of the week. sure. I would take somebody who... Whether I agree with their morals or not, I would certainly rather somebody who at least sticks to their morals than someone who just wants to make sure abortions are all banned so they'll say and do whatever they need to. Maybe a better analogy for me is someone like Jeff Flake, the senator from Arizona, Uh who is so much, he go everywhere he goes, he's like the spokesperson for Republicans in (laughs) office, in positions of power, Uh who are constantly saying they're horrified by Donald Trump and they hate everything the Republican Party is doing right now. It's not the party they joined when they were younger. Mm And then they vote with everything he does. That's like hundred percent right. You, you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a great Twitter account that makes me laugh all the time. LOL GOP. Love but it. But one of the things they were constantly tweeting over the past week is like, if John McCain's really upset by the Nunes memo being leaked, and mm-hmm. Jeff Flake is horrified by it, you know how you could stop it in a heartbeat if all of you, you and Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, came together and said. If you do this, we're not voting for any of your judicial appointments. We're not mm-hmm. supporting anything you do. That's it. It would end in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And they won't do that because they don't really want to put their money where their mouth is. No. And in the case of uh, Josh Weed, you know, 
his apology and his complicity in all of this, to me, mm-hmm. it rings hollow unless I know what he's doing now moving forward. I get that he apologized. I appreciate it. That's, That's nice. It means nothing to me unless I know you're now going to spend your time making sure no other... Like, what are you doing in the Mormon church? No, yeah, you're right. Stop it. Get out of there <laughs> and start condemning it or start saying, like, I'm not going to be part of this church and I'm going to speak out against the Mormon church until they change their ways. Like, yeah. do something useful I do, instead of staying in the Mormon church that still holds all these harmful beliefs. You're right. And I do always find that really tricky because because I think it's really easy for people to compartmentalize their beliefs because I think it's... And I, people do it all over the country of like, oh, the Catholic Church. Uh, how many Catholics do you know, right? Like, right. they all know the Catholic Church has done some really bogus shit with regard to their priests being fucking monsters. But just because they acknowledge that doesn't mean they don't believe in Catholic doctrine anymore. And right. I feel like it's the same thing. Like, I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say, like, he needs to start leave the Mormon church and start speaking out against it. If he still believes in Mormonism, he still believes in Mormonism. Like people compartmentalize much bigger shit than that. I I do think it is worth saying like, yeah, he should be an advocate within the church of saying like, Hey, maybe believe what you want, but don't be part of the organization. I don't know. There are plenty of Catholics who believe in God, but who are like, I can't support this institution. But there's an argument to be made that, like, it, can you do more good from the inside out? Which, I mean, this is bullshit for me to say. I, because I, I, I think any legit, Republican right. who's supporting Donald Trump, I think, is a garbage human. Right, but. and they have the power to change it. Less so when you're a Catholic, like, you just attend church and you disagree with the church doctrine on certain issues. Yeah. You can't change anything in that church from the inside. Not if you're just a random person. Maybe right. a bishop could. Maybe they have some say. Yeah, but he's got a name now. Like, he he has national press. But I don't think the Mormon church gives a shit about anything this guy yeah. is saying. Um Anyway, but also you're right that the the way like w- how many you know ex Mormons do we follow and you know have interviewed who like the the best way to do this is just show the numbers is just yeah. fucking leave the church and show like you're out of touch. Uh, show me a Mormon who has changed the policy from the inside. It's not a big yeah. number, and they're not necessarily random people like him who just played a role. They you're used right. him to perpetuate a narrative. Um, there's one more story I wanted to bring up here because it was so weird. Oh, good. Uh, there's a church in New Zealand. It's a mega church. It's one of the biggest evangelical mega churches in New Zealand. Uh-huh. And it's run by a guy named Brian Tamaki. And we've talked about him before because he's one of those Reminded prosperity gospel. Yes, 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 yes. Flaunts yes, yes. his wealth. He does all this stuff. He he blamed earthquake on gay people. You he know. just he just lost his tax exemption. <laughs> did he? He did. Nice work, New but Zealand. Separate from all of that, I saw this meme floating around the interwebs, and it had a picture of him. And it said, supersize your faith in a hot church with a hot preacher. We talked about this last week. We talked about that. So we did. We mentioned it. Uh Uh-huh. And you you called me out for like hashtag fake news. I thought it was fake news. And I responded to the church at the time. Everybody take a moment because I think Hammond's about to tell me I'm right about something. And I'm so fucking excited Uh, about it. Not quite. Damn it. Uh, At the time, (laughs) here's where we were last week with this story. Last week... I think I had emailed the church because I didn't see this meme on the official church's Facebook page or on Tamaki's official 
Facebook page. It was on some third party site with no check mark. It's like, so I emailed the church at the time. This is before our last podcast. And I'm like, is this you guys? Yeah. Do you approve this or what? Uh, since we recorded, I finally heard back from them. And I was like, all they're going to tell me is yes or no. It's that simple. It's not a hard question. Did you approve this meme? Is this mm-hmm. yours? And they're like, why do you want to know? All right, dude. What sort <laughs> of Fucking res- back off. <laughs> that was their response to me. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to make of this. That's definitely the response of humans who have nothing to hide. <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you mean? What I'm, I'm trying to help you out. If this is fake, I would like to help like, point that out. My co-host already called your ass <laughs> out. Help me defend you. Yeah, tell me if this is real. Because if it's real, we can criticize it. Or if it's fake, we can at least tell people it's fake. But I know the local news in New Zealand, or at least the news stations, mm-hmm. were acting as if this is real. Yeah. And I want to know if it is or not. So I'm asking you directly. And they gave the weirdest response That's to that. Fucking weird. And so I wrote back, I'm like, well, I'm, I just explained all that. I'm like, well, I just want to know the truth. Yeah. So is this yours or not? Haven't heard back since. Weird. I just thought that was the strangest answer. Like, why can't you just give me a straight answer? That's on so this? suspicious. Mm-hmm. That's very strange. Anyway. Um, are you, do you have anything else? I'll be done. I have one more thing. Um, so we already wa- talked about abortion a little bit. I'm going to talk more about it because, oh, David Brooks, buddy, you (laughs) fucked up real good. So David Brooks uh, recently wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about how um, Democrats who continue to place uh, women's right to choose and abortion rights um, as high as they do, which I think is inappropriate as a human with a uterus is an appropriate amount of importance to put on it. Um, he basically blamed that on why we have a, a, a Donald Trump in, in, in office. Um, so he wrote that um, pro-life slash anti-abortion, whatever you want to call it in the 60s, 70s, 80s, it used to be a very liberal stance. Um, they, uh, but then the GOP kind of glommed onto it. People became single issue voters, which is really, really common uh, from my understanding. So they consider the uh, quote killing of the un- of the unborn the great moral issue of our time. Without pro lifers, Ronald Reagan would have never been elected. Without single issue voters who wanted pro life judges, there would have never been a president, Donald Trump. Which I do understand. And I understand why he's bringing that up as, you know, let's look at the big picture instead of this one thing. Um, so he, but, but here's what he says. He says, that I understand our donors uh, want to preserve a woman's right to choose through all nine months of her pregnancy. But do we want late-term abortions so much that we are willing to, t- to tolerate President Trump? Do we want it so much that we that we give up our chance at congressional majorities? Do we want it so much that we see our agendas on poverty, immigration, income, income equality, and racial justice thwarted or defeated? So the best case interpretation of what he's saying is, hey, Democrats, this is an issue that riles up the right. Mm-hmm. Why are you making a big deal of this when it could tip the election in favor of Republicans? Mm-hmm. It's to your strategic interest yes. not to fight against this 20-week Yes. Late-term abortion ban, which 20 weeks is not late-term, by the way. That's <laughs> about halfway through a pregnancy. Right. And it rarely happens, abortions, after that point exactly. anyway. 
Um, and so, and, and yes, and I, I'm glad you kind of summed that up well, because I do get fundamentally what he's trying to say is, are all of these other things worth, you know, in the scales of what's important to us is, is quote unquote late term abortion worth it. Um, so first of all, and I've said this on this podcast before, and I will continue saying it for the rest of my life, my physical health and decisions about my body is not a fucking bargaining chip. Yeah. It's something I believe I have a right to as an American and a human fucking being. What you do to hand at me that No, I was gonna say this is this is the response that I think makes the most sense, which is that every time they talk about Democrats, let's talk about strategy. What are the issues you shouldn't care about? Mm-hmm. It's always like women's issues or mm-hmm. LGBT rights oh my God, or I, human I, beings. My rights have been up on the rights. chopping block. Every election for right. fucking ever. And I'm honestly really, really, really tired of it. Um, so <laughs> I wrote I wrote this at like 1030 in the morning and I wrote in bold. It's too early for me to be this angry. Like literally I would read through this and like get like the rage fire in my heart. <laughs> um, so he said also, and I, I here's the things I want to give him. I want to make sure what he has is said is is portrayed accurately when I talk about this because I do not want to be the person or accused of like you pulled a paragraph out and and gave it its worst possible reading. I really I really want to make sure we all understand what he's trying to say and I get why he would say that as a man who was never going to be pregnant in his whole fucking (laughs) life. He said, let's try to imagine what would happen if Roe v. Wade was overturned. The abortion issue would go back to the states. The Center Center for Reproductive Rights estimates that roughly 21 states would outlaw outlaw abortion. Abortion would remain legal in probably 20 others. And there's a good chance that a lot of states would hammer out this sort of compromise that European nations have uh, that is legal in the first months, difficult after that. That's what most Americans support. Um, So I think the whole states' rights issues always feels like kind of a red herring to me of oh, it shouldn't be a national thing. It should be down in the state. But it it really, as somebody who lived in two red states for an extended amount of time, I don't think the right to my health and well-being should have borders on state lines. I don't, like, if I got pregnant in college and wasn't, I was a 19-year-old idiot who wasn't ready to have a kid. If I had gotten pregnant, like, I would hope that the fact that I was, 200 miles away from Illinois didn't mean it would change my entire the course of my entire life because fucking Mike Pence... I don't think he was governor when I was there. I wouldn't have had anything to do with that. Anyway, it, it just... Like, this whole states' rights things just feels like obfuscating to me. It feels like, oh, well, the states... As if, as if the states are this sort of, like, en masse voting perspective, as if everybody who lives within a state has the same perspective. But somehow when that goes national, oh, it's it's not fair for us to say everybody believes the same way. I think it's fucking garbage. Um, <clears throat> so uh, so this is what he said. Um, oh, so, so his thought is if we let that go, if we let Roe v. Wade get overturned, if we kind of, like, bow down on this fight... The pro-life movement, this is a quote, would, would turn its attention away from national elections. Single-issue anti-abortion voters would no longer be automatic Republicans. The abortion debate would no longer be an, uh, an absolutist position on one side and an absolutist 
position on the other, which again, like I, I cannot stress this. I get why he thinks this is a compelling argument to be made, but it's also made by a human who never has to fucking worry about it. And so that really makes me want to, yeah, it's none of his issues that are on the chopping block. That's when it comes exactly to strategy. Right. Um, and he also talks about, we, we support the right to choose throughout the 40 weeks of pregnancy, which is a really fucked up way to put it. Um, and I think anybody who's honestly looking at this issue understands why. Nobody is 38 months pregnant. 38 weeks, yeah. 38, thank you. <laughs> Nobody is 38 months pregnant. I said a correct thing. <laughs> Nobody's 38 weeks pregnant and goes to Planned Parenthood and says, I want to have an abortion. Like, that's yeah. just not... I just... This came to me now. It's just not <laughs> how the fucking world works. And if you And if you think women who haven't thought about this decision before they ever even, like, kind of become pregnant... If you don't think they think about that all the time, then you're a fucking idiot. And if you don't think that, like, if somebody did decide later in their pregnancy that they didn't want to carry this baby, if you think it was just, like, a fucking whim, then, like, fuck off. Like, you don't understand what's going on. So I actually... um, So babies are not viable outside the woman 22 weeks. Um, Scientific... It's just about how, like, oh, technology is changing the way we see fetuses. So for the first time in my podcasting <laughs> career, I wrote a rant. I'm listening. Because I was really mad and didn't feel like trying to remember all my points. Um, so here's what I said, and this feels really trite, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, this is a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be pro-choice. It's, it's rare to the point of absurdity that somebody elects to have voluntary abortion past the 20-week mark. These procedures are by and large performed to save the life of the mother or in the cases that the fetus has little or no hope of living anything other than a short and extraordinarily painful life. Or let's not forget that if the fetus is actually dead, we on the pro-choice side thinks it, think it's cruel and unusual to force a woman to carry a corpse to term against her will which is 100% what would happen if a 20-plus-week week abortion was banned. The problem here that Brooks is giving into GOP talking points, they've created this fantasy world where late-term abortions look like the chestbuster from Alien. I know I read that. That was dumb. <laughs> um, that's specifically not the case, and to pretend otherwise is giving up what we have on our side, which is logic and sympathy and kindness, so that many women who are forced into a painful de- decision regarding, I, regarding an off-wanted child have to make. So that's what I wanted to say about that. Oh, <laughs> don't sarcastic clap at that's me. That's not sarcastic. I like that. Um, anyway, I wrote that this morning because I was really mad. Um, <laughs> and one of our Twitter followers insisted that I drink during this, and I did. And I don't regret it for a fucking second <laughs> because I've been dreading talking about that. I'm really fucking. By the way, Doug yeah. Jones, Alabama. Yeah. He oh, was. He fucked up on something, didn't he? I'm, I'm sure he did. Okay. But he was very clearly. Pro-choice. He didn't hide that. Even in Alabama, Mm -hmm. it didn't stop him from winning. Sure, Roy Moore was a horrible candidate. Yeah. But it didn't stop him. Uh, Doug Jones. Yes. And so you can run in a red state and be pro-choice, and you don't have to hide it, and you don't have to, like, cower it in other language or anything. And I think... And you can do okay. I think the thing that Brooks is suggesting that is wrong is that... If you're a Democrat, especially in a swing district, especially in a red state, it's to your advantage to keep it on the down low or not mention it at all or change your views and be a little more flexible with that stuff. And I don't think that's true at all. I think if you are, you know, gung-ho about saying, no, I support a woman's right to choose. I support women, Mm -hmm. period. 
I think you're going to get more Democrats voting in your favor than you are more Republicans coming out to say no. They already, even if you if you don't actively say I'm pro-life and no exceptions to all that, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't say that, they're assuming that anyway. They're already counted in those votes, yeah. you know? But if you are actively for women's rights and abortion rights, you're going to get more Democrats supporting you because mm-hmm. you don't hear that all the time. It's refreshing to hear somebody say, no, I support women. I'm not, like, tailoring my language to to let some moderates think that I'm not. Yeah, and and uh, everything I just said is really just a testament against this kind of late-term abortion monster that, that the right has created. Because right. As if creative. all abortions are late-term, right. and this is the big scourge and we have also, to worry about. And, and beyond that, it is, and I'm sure I've said this a million times in the podcast, if you want to curtail abortion, then don't make abortion illegal. That's just going to fucking kill women because women from the beginning of time have tried not to be pregnant. It is a thing (laughs) because pregnancy is hard and physically taxing and emotionally taxing. And like at the end of it, you have 18 years of like a human person (laughs) you're responsible for. And so I didn't even touch on the fact that, like, if you want to lower abortion rates, you educate people on how you become pregnant and not pretend that, like, if a dude comes in the next room, it's going to knock you up. Like, (laughs) things like that are not helping. It is explaining how contraception works. Mm -hmm. It's explaining what your options are if you did have unsafe sex. It is, you know, maybe explaining to men that, like, raping a woman isn't cool for once in our fucking life in this country. Like, there's so many ways, or or on the other side of that, making sure kids have access to birth control feels like a pretty pro-life thing to me. Or if a woman has a kid, make sure that kid has a person to, like, look after it while the woman is working a minimum wage job in this hypothetical situation I've set up. Like, it's all such garbage, and, like, that's why I think, and I... I, I will say this. I kind of shirked against somebody called me out for using pro-life instead of anti-choice. anti-choice or anti-abortion. And I, like, my hackles went up because I'm not super right with criticism, as we've all heard. But no, they're they're right, and I was 100% wrong because these people are anti-abortion. They don't give a fuck about life. They don't care if a human is starving in the streets. They care if, an, if a fetus is aborted. And that's garbage and the most intellectually dishonest stance a human can have. Anyway, that's my thing. I'm going to stop clapping for me. It feels sarcastic. It's not sarcastic. Did you Uh, see how quiet Dottie was? Dottie was good today. She slept the whole time. Oh, (laughs) look at that stretch. She's such a good girl. Where can we find you at? (laughs) Oh, are we done? We're done. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. I'm in Heaven Meta. You um, can Etsy, Jessica. Oh, but she's got Stitch done. Oh, pet the dog. Oh, she dog. was so good. Oh, she's oh. wagging her tail. I'll pet my kids like um, this. <laughs> you don't look because people don't pet kids. Oh, she loves oh, you so much. Oh, I'm taking a picture of this. Oh, oh she loves you. Oh, um, oh, this is unpleasant. So, oh. oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, Dottie, good girl. Oh. Um, you can find me at Bitches Get Stitched Done on Etsy. I've been doing a lot of uh, custom work for people, it's super fun. Um, I just wanted to remind you guys, in a few weeks, we're going to have a special episode go up that is the pilot for my um, donors-only podcast, but we're going to put it on this stream. So I'm in the middle of reading Jennifer Government. My brother and I are going to talk about it. My best friend from Kentucky and I are going to read uh, Bad Feminist. My friends Jack and Holly, who we just watched Fireproof with Kirk Cameron, 
We're definitely going to talk about that because it's going to be fucking incredible. <laughs> uh, my husband and I are going to uh, read training and talk about it. I'm super fucking stoked about this thing. Um, and yeah, uh, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. So my special any one dollar donation gets the bonus episodes. Gets the bonus there. episodes. They're not out yet. They will be out shortly. Um, what else? Is that it? Is that yeah, all we we'll have? We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys.